Blog Talk Radio. It's time for Lickin' On Lending. Welcome, everybody. Good to have you with us. Welcome to Lickin' On Lending, a weekly mortgage market update providing up-to-the-minute information on interest rates, loan programs, and hot industry news, all related to the mortgage industry. Brought to you by Transformational Mortgage Solutions. To participate in today's program, our guest call-in line is 646 716-4972. Now here's your host of Lickin' on Lending, David Lickin. Let's begin. Welcome everybody to the podcast. It's Monday, March 21st. I am in Miami at the Mortgage Collaborative Conference. It's a great conference. We're enjoying so many meetings already, seeing so many friends, and I encourage you to check out the Mortgage Collaborative, and uh, these kind of conferences are just so beneficial to lenders. And this podcast is created by mortgage professionals. It is for mortgage professionals, and we're so grateful to have you as our listener. Again, our commitment is to bring you timely information in an audio format that you can listen to anytime and anywhere. I'm so excited about our Hot topic segment this week. We have Lori Brewer, a good friend, formerly owner of LBA Ware, which was recently acquired by Simple Nexus. And I encourage you to go back and check our show notes because we did an interview with Kathleen Schreiner-Gates. I just love Kathleen. She's an amazing leader and has done so much already for our industry. And the thought of both her and Lori teaming together, oh my gosh, folks, you're going to want to listen to the Hot Topics segment. Lori gets into some of the exciting things that's already beginning to happen as a result of the acquisition of LBAWare by Simple Nexus. So tune in and listen to the Hot Topics segment. Thank you goes out to Industry Syndicate. Check out all the podcasts at industrysyndicate.com. They promote our podcast as well as some of the top leading podcasts in the nation. I want to say a special thank you to our sponsors, the Mortgage Bankers Association of America, as well as Finastra, Fusion Mortgage Bot Solution. Experience the power of a fully integrated approach to mortgage lending that simplifies the borrowing experience and streamlines the process for employees. Also, the Lenders One Conference in Phoenix, it was great, well attended, and there was so much information. Also, we have the Mortgage Collaborative, TMC. Go back and listen to the interview with Rich Zerbinski on February 7th that I did. And also, we have Total Expert as a sponsor. Thank you. I'll say a shout out to KnowledgeCoop as a sponsor. They do a great job as a learning management system. Check out their new release. It's coming out April 1st to get on the announcements. Uh, when that is being released and the information about that, go to trythecoop.com. Comparing the team, got some new stuff coming out. <laughs> it is really cool. Also, Mobility MMI, Mortgage Market Intelligence, and Modex. Both of these sponsors do a great job of helping you recruit top LOs and giving you intelligence about what goes on in the market. Be sure to check these companies out. Also, we're thrilled to have SnapDocs as a sponsor. They help lenders overcome obstacles to adopting e-mortgage technology. Also, Success Kit. I love what Julian Lumpkin and the group are doing. Check out the interview we did with Julian January 10th on 2022, successkit.io. Also, I want to say a special thank you to Lender Toolkit. We want to thank our sponsor, Penny Mac. It's TPO. Go back and listen to the interview with Kim Nichols on November 1st, 2021. Also, I want to say thank you to Form Free. Then finally, special thank you goes out to Debbie Wemus at the DW Consulting Group, helping people with their LinkedIn profiles. And finally, I want to say a special thank you to Rob, Les, Alice, Alan, Matt, and my good buddy, Jack Nuttery, who's going to take over the podcast for me at this point. Thanks, Jack, for co-hosting. You're welcome, David. 
We can't wait to get you back in studio. We want to hear about how you did racing Ferraris in Las Vegas and your time in Miami. Looks like David has a wonderful life traveling around the country doing some exciting things. Can't wait to hear about it, David. But now let's get into the segments and let's hear from Rob Van Raphorst and the NBA Mortgage Minute. Hi, I'm Rob Van Raphorst. Welcome to the Mortgage Minute and the latest news from the Mortgage Bankers Association. Last week, the Senate Banking Committee advanced the nomination of Sandra Thompson to be FHFA Director. NBA President and CEO Bob Brooksmith released a statement applauding the Senate Banking Committee and noting Thompson's experience including as acting director and knowledge of the real estate finance industry and how it will serve her well as she continues to lead FHFA. Brooksman called on the full Senate to quickly confirm her nomination. Shifting gears, be sure to attend MBA's Technology Solutions Conference and Expo 2022, April 11th through the 14th in Las Vegas, Nevada. To register, go to mba.org slash conferences. That's it for this week. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for that update, Rob. Always lots of great info and Rob's MBA Mortgage Minute. Now let's go to Les Parker and let's hear from Les with the TMM Spotlight and this week's macro view of the market. Les? TM Spotlight Soundbites is brought to you by PowerSeller, making hedging easy. For those days, they felt Putin's mistake. Those times when China played on hate. Ukraine. Ian's keep marching on. Oil, the dollar, stocks, and bonds suggest that the Ukrainian situation gets resolved with modest damage to growth in advanced economies. Meanwhile, Goldman Sachs sees a 33% chance of a U.S. recession in 2023. The Fed's steadfast willingness to slow inflation strengthens the dollar and treasuries. It is hard to justify mortgage rates going much higher without stronger growth. Right or wrong, never fight the Fed, but the market's always right. Right? These views are my own. Take the right step at tmspotlight.com. Thank you for that update, Les. If you're interested, uh, go to tmsspotlight.com to subscribe for free to Les's newsletter. Use the word power for the free subscription. Now we're going to go to Matt Graham uh, with a mortgage rate update. Matt's the founder and CEO of MBS Live with his mortgage market updates. Thanks, Matt. Thank you, Jack. Yeah, this might be uh, a little bit quicker than normal because markets are actually going fairly crazy right now on uh, fresh news wires from a Powell speech this morning in which uh, Fed Chair Powell expanded on last week's uh, press conference and said announcement by just now, uh, like less than a minute ago, saying that they expect to begin reducing the balance sheet at the coming meeting um over the next three years it's still unclear uh, when powell says at uh at a coming meeting or at the coming meeting whether he's referring to a coming meeting or the coming meeting so if it's the coming meeting that would be in may if it's at a coming meeting i mean we're talking about june probably the latest but this is a, a really important narrative for the bond market and for stocks as well for that matter uh, because it is a lot faster than anyone expected back at the end of 2021. 
a big factor in the rising rate environment in early 2022 was this adjustment process to a faster normalization timeline, and that refers to the Fed actually shrinking the size of its balance sheet. It just wrapped up tapering um, at the end of two weeks ago. And then at last week's uh, Fed announcement, the announcement itself, obviously we got the rate hike that we were expecting, and we had uh, actual explicit mention of the normalization process at a coming meeting, which was uh, pretty intense for a Fed policy announcement. And probably more than most people were expecting, Powell really doubled down on that in the uh, press conference, but the press conference didn't add to the market weakness. Um, I think the, the weakness came primarily on the dot plot, uh, the rapid acceleration in the pace of the Fed's rate hike outlook, and uh, every Fed member or that medium Fed member seeing a rate hike at every single meeting for the rest of the year. Now, by this morning, even before this Powell speech, we had uh, an additional 25 bips of rate hikes priced in. So that meant a hike at every single meeting, plus one of those meetings would need to be a 50 basis point hike. Now, after Powell uh, rate hikes, well, Fed fund futures are accelerating further, and now we're getting close to two 50 basis point hikes. So, you know, this is all in the name of the Fed trying to get back on the right side of its inflation fighting mandate. They uh, clearly feel like they were caught flat-footed by inflation uh, as long ago as the third or fourth quarter of 2021. But post-Ukraine, uh, things have gotten even worse, and I think they feel even more desperate to uh, try to get back onto the other side of things. Uh, of course, as Les mentioned, that's leading to some calls for recession. I think, you know, we'll see what we see as far as that goes because the Fed will change course if it looks like we're headed there and if it looks like inflation is calming down. But uh, no matter what they do to the economy in terms of growth, I think their prime directive is to get inflation back under control to whatever extent they even can, considering that the demand side of the equation isn't the whole equation. Either way, uh, the bottom line is the big shift in Fed policy is having a massive impact on rates. It's the fastest rate spike we've had since the mid-90s at this point. Rates up another eighth of a percent today, well over 4.5 for the average lender uh, for a top-tier 30-year fixed scenario. And that could certainly go higher before we find our footing. And uh, also at this point, little to do with Ukraine. It's sort of uh, damned if we do, damned if we don't. Because on the one hand, if the Ukraine situation were to improve, bonds would lose a portion of their safe haven bid that they had uh, for, you know, due to the war. And if the situation deteriorates, it uh, puts more upward pressure on inflation implications and just means they're going to have to act that much faster to combat inflation. So not a great time to be a fan of uh, low mortgage rates. But the higher we go, the sooner we'll bounce, and then the more ground we'll have to cover. Uh, the next time rates have uh, a lower rate trend over time. Okay, Matt. Um, uh, you know, I'm kind of uh, at a loss for words here, and that doesn't happen very often. Um, uh, the fastest uh, rate increase in 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 many in many years. So, you know, I was doing a little prep work for the show, and I had my eyes off the news for a couple minutes. When I looked up, I saw the equity markets. Matt had uh, 
went from about 140 down to about 350 down. And I wondered what drove that news uh, or what drove that reaction in the equity market. And I think you just explained that for me, Matt. You know, correct me if I'm wrong, was, you know, thought to be, uh, you know, into Q2 sometime Q3 beginning. And so the Fed is already intimating that that could start much sooner than, uh, you know, in August or September. Am I right in that, Matt? Yeah, for sure. And in fact, I think August and September was you know, probably a little bit late in the first place. There were definitely a lot of people that were making that call. Um, I participated in a couple of surveys where uh, people were, you know, giving their opinion on when that would happen. My initial guess was June. This was back in uh, January. But now I would not be surprised if they did it at the next meeting. And unfortunately, I wasn't listening to Powell's speech um, as it happened. So I'm just reading a newswire from it. And I'll have to clarify whether he said at the coming meeting or a coming meeting, because that would be an important distinction. Right, right. And, you know, a lot of the uh, uh, Fed, um, regional Fed presidents are going to be speaking individually this week. So I'm sure the market's going to be watching closely uh, what uh, that group has to say as they, uh, you know, I guess starting Wednesday, Thursday, oh, starting Wednesday and running through Friday, the uh, regional Fed presidents are going to have uh, an opportunity to uh, answer a lot of questions, Matt. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be a, another interesting week for sure. And I think the, the best thing to plan on would be volatility. And uh, what we're telling our clients on MBS Live is, yeah, the higher rates go, uh, the, the more the chances improve that we'll see some kind of bounce, but we keep being set up for that and disappointed. So we are definitely waiting for the market to give us a solid indication of a sustainable, meaningful correction before we, uh, you know, change our strategy accordingly. Well, thanks, Matt. And to our listeners, you can learn more about Matt's great services at mbslive.net. Uh, use LOL as the sign-up code to get an extended trial and no credit card required. Uh, next segment up, uh, Alice Alvey is going to talk to us about a legislative update. Alice, what do you got for us this week? Well, uh, you know, I'm going to uh, pile on with not great news. <laughs> we, were, we just listened to the market update, and uh, it's great to have you hosting the show, Jack, by the way. So thanks for the nice tee up. Um, I'm going to focus on on UDAP. Uh, so not that it's bad news, but just to see it. what happens in these times is, of course, our regulators then zero in on our ability as lenders to make sure that we are good at risk analysis and we are really good at monitoring our fair lending, and in this case, the uh, UDAP, which is our Uniform, or, uh, yeah, Uniform Deceptive Acts and Practices Act. So we've got to make sure that we're, uh, I'm sorry, uniform, unfair, deceptive, or abusive acts or practices. So our UDAP um, regulations that have been around for quite some time um, really just recently made the news uh, with MBA is that the CFPB is now going to be starting to expand how they look at UDAP. And I think one of the things just to level set for everybody who may not be familiar with this regulation is, although it does say that it's, a, it's a, intentionally to monitor um, practices that 
cause or are likely to cause substantial injury to consumers, I think our challenges, we all define substantial a little bit differently. What do we consider to be substantial injury? Or what do we consider to be an act that is reasonably avoidable by a consumer? And when you really read into the regulation and some of the areas that the CFPB has expanded on, it is an area that lenders need to make sure they devote staff and timing to. Uh, this is the time when times get a little tougher. Uh, agencies start looking in areas where they know that we potentially have weaknesses. And I always warn folks that the, the biggest area of weakness under UDAP that I saw during my consulting days was in the area of verbal and email communication. So what is it that loan officers and processors are saying, but also what is it that they are not saying? What are important aspects about a product, as an example, that should be communicated? Or are we leaving information out of advertising that really is important in making sure the consumer understands the impact of the product? Um, so those are areas that then when you pile on that we're now using very sophisticated algorithms as an industry to target our messaging, whether that's email advertising in particular, mostly our electronic uh, communication, or how we may analyze data for who is going to be getting certain types of communication. That's the area that the CFPB has expanded in their manual that they will now be looking at. Um, so as you think, wow, this is great, I've got all these tools in my um, customer relationship management software, uh, and I've been, or I'm using all these layers of services who are helping me dissect various leads and how to market to them, you better make sure you've got full understanding of your algorithms, and on top of that, have written policies and procedures for how you're monitoring that they are not creating any kind of disparate impact. Um, so I just wanted to point that out, folks, uh, that in the recent headlines under UDAP, there's plenty to read that points you to exactly where it is the CFPB is going to be expanding their exams. I found a good write-up from Ballard Spar, where they, uh, it's a law firm used a lot by mortgage lenders, um, and um, they had a great write-up on some of the details as well as uh, what the specific changes are, so I recommend checking them out. Um, so that's my report for today, Jack. Thank you. Well, thanks, Alice. Uh, you know, let's, let's talk about that for just a second. I mean, obviously, when you have, you know, many different people constructing many different emails, reaching out to, you know, different consumers across, you know, a very large and expansive market, you know, the first thing that comes to my mind, something that we used to do uh, extensively, uh, you know, is first line of defense. And, and you know, look, listeners, what first line of defense is, is, you know, you're, you're auditing yourself. Right. I mean, it's the business auditing the business. Uh, and, and the objective of that, you know, is to make sure that, you know, you do what the process says you should be doing, you know, at the point in time and the process calls for that to be done. And, you know, Alice, as I think about this, uh, you know, it would be, you know, here's where you would implement, you know, these, these, preventative measures, these compliance measures in your first line of defense program and, and, and make sure that you're testing through your organization to ensure compliance to the UDAP regs. 
uh, you know, what do you think about that? I think that's a great recommendation. Uh, not a lot of companies, I would guess, have that. And by putting something like that in place, you're able to then build your metrics. Obviously, when you first start doing it, you go, wait a minute, how is this going to help me? But really what starts to work is the data that you collect over time. Um, and then it also helps bring to light where you need to fill gaps in written policies and procedures for people that really have a meaningful way to, to do the right thing. I think, uh, and I'm going to always throw in training in there because, you know, there's a lot of coaching that folks need. It's always amazing how much awareness of UDAP makes a big difference. A lot of people aren't even aware of how far this regulation reaches into their very conversations day-to-day -day with consumers. Uh, so I think what you said is a great recommendation. Thanks, Alice. And, you know, look, just to expand on that for the listeners, you know, I always thought that if we audit ourselves and we do a good job of that and, and a timely and frequent job of that, when auditors get in our shop, then they should be finding, you know, that which your own first line of defense team has already found, cured, and is now monitoring for timely compliance. And, and it takes away the surprise moments in an audit. And maybe sometime in the future, uh, we can dedicate some more time on a podcast to talk about first line of defense and how to implement first line of defense program. Thanks, Alice, very much for the update. And we also uh, thanks to folks at Union Home Mortgage for letting Alice participate on the podcast. Always great information. Thanks so much, Alice. Next thanks, up, Jeff. Alan Pollack. Excuse me. Uh, next up, Alan Pollack with the tech update. Alan, what do you got for us on the weekly tech update? Uh, good to hear your voice this Monday, Jack. For some of us, it's Monday morning. Uh, lots of cool stuff going on. I think the first thing I, I want to, instead of a funny joke or some bad dad joke, um, I'll talk about two great binge-worthy shows that you need to check out on on uh, Netflix, Amazon, etc. Um, these two that I'm going to mention, the first one is called Super Pumped. It's the battle for Uber. And it is based on the shocking true story, uh, and it is the, the rise and the fall of the Uber founder. It is you sit on the edge of your seat and you watch it. I've watched, there's three episodes. I think maybe a fourth came out this past weekend. It is really, really interesting. Um, it, it's a pretty clean show, meaning if you compare that to The Wolf of Wall Street, which was had a lot of vulgarity and other things, this show isn't as bad or nothing like that. But it is a fantastic story, and Showtime does a good job. So you want to check this out. It's called Super Pumped. Uh, and especially if you're interested in unicorns and what they go through, uh, what what an amazing story. The next is called We Crashed. It's an Apple TV Plus series, and it's chronicling chronicling. That's a tough word, Jack. I bet you can't say that five times really fast. Don't do it, but yeah. it's just an idea. Uh, the rise and the fall of WeWork, um, and it premiered Friday. And the reviews are kind of mixed right now. 65% rating from critics. Um, and 79% rating from audiences on Rotten Tomatoes. I've found Rotten Tomatoes, by the way, for, for those of you that are familiar with their rating system um, in general, anything that's kind of like 70, 75 and above is hit or miss based on your what you like. Um, anything that they have is usually 90% and higher is usually pretty good. So 
Uh, be your own judge, but check it out. We crashed, and that's kind of interesting thinking about, you know, right, how many people actually go to offices, how many people may need something like uh, WeWork where you get your own office space, um, or how many people have, you know, this whatever we're calling the, the greatest resignation error of all time. Uh, so many people are looking for new jobs or retiring or doing jobs that are making them happier even though there's less money. So check that out. Those are two great binge-worthy shows. So let's talk about some industry news, Jack. The first one is document automation platform. They're a startup called Oculus. Uh, some of you may have heard of them. That's O-C-R-O-L-U-S. They rolled out a new roster of document-centric applications for Encompass. The company said that the applications are designed to reduce mortgage application process delays due to review queues. That's nothing new, right? That's basically document automation, extracting data and processing rules. Jack, you and I actually engaged on a similar project many, many years ago together. Uh, but th we did. it's never going to go away, right? We've got so many processes to automate and so much data and so many eyeballs and people involved in the process. It's an easy win to automate the things that have less subjectivity or have the data to make an accurate assessment. And so they just they just debuted at the new ICE experience this past week, uh, their new platform, or they call it their product suite. And of course, they're saying they reduce loan approval times and they simplify the integration process, et cetera, et cetera. You want to check this out or you want to talk to your existing vendor or consider document automation. And before I move on to the next topic, Jack, I know that you feel strongly in this area. I thought I'd maybe just swing it over to you and see if you have any, any points of feedback on the document automation side. Well, you know, as you said, Alan, uh, you know, you and I worked extensively on a on a greenfield project uh, where we implemented uh, a number of, of bots in the process. We used, uh, you know, data scraping. Um, you know, my my basic thought on it is, you know, we we solved for manufacturing defects or we came very close to a defect-free environment. Uh, and, and, you know, speed is obviously going to be uh, an output of scraping data and automating processes. You know, but one of the things that uh, I think we saw through it was not only that we were able to, to drop cycle times, that we were able to substantially reduce the number of manufacturing defects that were a byproduct right. of pushing loans through our process. That's important, Alan, because ultimately, you know, that's going to reduce the number of repurchases from investors or, or agencies down the road. And 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 then the, the final benefit of that was is that as you automate processes, you know, then the scalability of your organization begins to improve dramatically. So, you know, it's, it's that next, you know, ongoing evolution of our business. You know, but, you know, you pick up some major wins when you do that. You know, the scalability, cycle time, and and the reduction of manufacturing defects all strike to the core of. Yeah. What we're really trying to build here, and that's an efficient, low-cost manufacturing process that you know gives us uh, you know comfort in the fact that you know 
while we still have humans, you know, sitting on top of the automated processes and monitoring the flow, that a lot of the work is is being done by machines and and verified or validated data. I mean, how can it get much better than that, Alan? That's right. And so it's it's kind of like working working um, working smarter, not harder, right? We can repurpose certain folks to do different things, but we have we have what's coming down through the sausage factory. We know it's good quality sausage, and we know the wrapper that goes around the sausage is also going to fit, and it's good quality wrapper too, right? That's it. It's actually a bad analogy, but I was in Costco this weekend, and they were selling turkey sausage with a plant-based wrapper that's healthier for you. So I was just thinking someone must have used the data or looked at customer demand to figure out that they need to change the wrapper to get more people to buy. But anyways, um, working smarter, not harder. And and there's a perfect testimonial, folks. You know, Jack and I worked on this Greenfield project, and that was the goal we set out to do, and we did accomplish it. Uh, technology has only since that time improved. And so look at this vendor, look at other vendors, but document automation, whether it's upfront, whether it's in the middle of the process or at the end of the process, right, you're going to be able to move things down the pipe faster, recognize defects faster, and better align your teams to be working smarter. So I uh, appreciate that feedback on that topic, Jack. Let's also talk about one other quick update that occurred during the Encompass um, experience, the ICE experience, rather, I should say, last week. Uh, Roostify and ICE have also, Roostify made an announcement, they've partnered for a stronger bi-directional interface. And I think that was one of the things I picked out that was really important. We were talking so much about the slowdown, right? We're in a purchase environment. There's less real estate rates are rising. How do you attain more customers, right? And so that integration, that bi-directional interface is extremely important. I'll talk more about um, acquiring customers in just a moment. I wanted to bring up one other company. This is really interesting because of the times. This company called Knock, it's K-N-O-C-K. We talked about them once before. It's a property tech or what we call prop tech. They're a home buying fintech. They brought in $220 million of new financing. But it's not what they originally set out for. It was designed, this $220 million, in part to help reach profitability after abandoning their attempt to go public. The company is also slashing its workforce by 46% because the new financing is so much less than they had hoped for at their initial public offering. Get this, their product, right, what do they do? Their product includes what they call a home swap product, which is a fully integrated mortgage and as much as $650,000 in an interest-free bridge loan to cover the down payment on a new home up to six months of mortgage payments on the old home. So we talk about innovation and what's going on, and we talk about all the regulation we have. We get these prop tech companies that are doing all these unique things. So I just innovative, really cool, trending. We're going to see a lot more things like this, but even a show of the times right now, right, they decided not to go with their public offering. I don't know why, but they still raised $220 million, but they did slash jobs. Um, so that's not K-N-O-C-K. I did promise last week, Jack, that I'd bring up this company called Wordle. Uh, if you remember, it was a software engineer in Brooklyn. Um, he, he sold it for in the low seven figures, and it was acquired by the New York Times. This craze is taking off like crazy. I play Wordle now with my family. A lot of people are doing it. You simply get six guesses to pick a word, and you go through the process. It's low tech. It's low budget. Everybody's doing it. I mention it not only because 
it's a trend you want to get on you just because you want to be cool and you want to stay relevant. But more importantly, think about the tech you're building, K-I-S-S, keep it simple, stupid, right? Think about the organization that we talked about, the Moscow method of how to organize what you want to do with your roadmap. Wordle kept it simple. It is the absolute simplest interface. It takes up no memory, no space on your phone. It's a simple design with six boxes or five boxes and six rows. Think about your tech. Think about the drip campaigns you're doing, how to acquire and sustain during the application process those people. Don't overburden them with too much complexity. Keep it simple. Keep your originators part of the process. Have them reach out at the right touch points. So Wordle's a great suggestion, but even better, you can relate that to what we're doing in mortgage. Um, that's it for today, Jack. I've got some amazing topics we're going to talk about next week. I'm actually going to bring up one, two, three, four, five, six, seven points that I feel that are absolutely critical that we need to be focusing on as an industry, tech-based, of less of the update and more focus on those seven items. One of those seven is something we're talking about today, which is data and analytics, and we have Lori Brewer uh, on today. So uh, with that, Jack, I'll send it back over to you, and uh, thanks, everyone, for being our listeners. Well, thank you very much, Alan, and uh, I'm excited about next week uh, with, uh, you know, what you're going to talk about. If anybody's interested in reaching out to Alan, you can contact Alan at alan at tms-advisors.com. And again, thanks, Alan, for the weekly update. Uh, this brings us to the end of our weekly mortgage updates. And if you're listening to us on a downloaded basis, please check out the next episode for our hot topic segment uh, with Lori Brewer. Thank you very much and have a good week, listeners. I'm excited to have as our hot topic guest, a good friend, Lori Brewer. For anyone who might not know her, Lori Brewer is a former officer in the U.S. Air Force, Boston Marathon finisher, mother of three boys, and EVP and general manager of Simple Nexus. With over 25 years of mortgage banking, Lori manifested her forward-thinking visions into the development of numerous fintech applications, including premier incentive compensation platform Compensate and turnkey mortgage business intelligence software Nexus Vision. Lori Brewer, so good to have you back on the podcast. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. It's so great to be here with you, David. Well, we had a great interview with Kathleen Schreiner-Gates. That was such a good interview. I enjoyed her. I enjoyed the leadership that she's bringing to Simple Nexus. And most people know that your company was acquired by Simple Nexus. And I'm so excited for the combination of you working with Kathleen, she's an amazing individual, amazing leader. So two amazing leaders working in the same company. Oh, my gosh, great things lie ahead for all that you're doing together. So very excited for you. But give us a little background in yourself and how you got into mortgage technology and then the recent acquisition. Give our listeners a little insights into that just for a few moments. Sure. And I do have to say, Kathleen, I haven't had a boss in 12 years. And now I report to Kathleen Schreiner Gates, who is just an amazing person. She has an amazing resume and fantastic experience in sales and marketing and leadership. And so new to have a boss for the first time, but I don't think I could have picked a better one. She's been great. So Lori Brewer, for those that don't know me, I've been in the mortgage industry for several decades. I was in the Air Force 
and kind of got into the early web.10 with HTML and animated GIFs and all of these things back in the 90s. And when I got out of the Air Force and I was essentially a webmaster, I went into the Air Force, I had an engineering degree, but the web was coming around and I was just so hooked on this idea of creating something that so many people could interact with online. So we had like back then it was the list server and just flat HTML pages. So after I got out of the Air Force, I went to a small company that designed websites for for companies and a mortgage company hired us. And that is how I got my start in 97. That's how I got into the mortgage world was I worked on creating an in-house website and database and automation of several things around their LOS. My company went out of business. So I like to say I'm an accidental entrepreneur. Best thing that ever happened to me, but I might not have ever been brave enough to start my own company. So financial crisis was really scary, but it ended up being a great thing because um, out of it, came my company, LBA Wear. And I started that in 2008 and did whatever we could to make money, essentially different products. And Compensafe was one of the products that gained traction because lenders had to manage compensation and be prepared for auditors. And as we know, especially in the independent mortgage world, there's a lot of different ways to incent individuals and high quality and quantity in with how we pay commissions and that's what that system does. So fast forward to the end of last year and in October of 2021, we were acquired by Simple Nexus. Again, one of the best decisions I've ever made. They are just a fantastic company, very similar culture, Matt Hansen, Ben Miller. They're just amazing people. I've been having a ton of fun. Oh, I'm so happy for you. So excited about it. This is truly, I think it's like chocolate and peanut butter coming together. I think it's a perfect combination. It's great things are going to be coming ahead. I'm just excited. So let's talk a little bit about one of my favorite products that you had that has been recently rebranded. Simple Nexus rebranded Line Gear into Nexus Vision. But before we delve into that, what inspired you to develop a business intelligence solution for mortgage lenders? Going back to when I worked for that mortgage company and we built out this internal intranet Mm -hmm. and it handled everything we could throw at it. And the things that we solved or tried to solve are repeat issues, I think, in our industry. And it really boils down, in my opinion, to there's a lot of people in corporations that don't necessarily have access to the data and the information that they need or want to have access to in a real-time manner. And many branch managers, area managers, operational managers, they're using, for example, the LOS pipeline views an encompass or they're downloading data into an Excel sheet that they may save in a non-secure location or email it. And people are, across our industry are devising their own strategy and their own workflow for how they can manage their pipeline and their production and look at their people and their metrics. So we have several BI products coming out on the market, but what I saw is that I felt we needed a product that handled that 80% of what lenders that 
need across the entire industry, visibility into their pipeline, activities, what do they need to focus on next? What are my people doing? And if I can tie the people activities with the compensation, that is really key information, especially if you're looking at where you might need to coach someone up or who truly are your top performers that might not just be your best volume producers. If you can combine that with other metrics, that can really be telltale around who are the superstars in the organization or vice versa, the ones that need help. And that's really what it is. It's data visualization, getting it in the hands across the organization of the people that need it and when they need it. I tell you, when I first saw Lime Gear, I'm going, what a solution for management. Because one of the things that I'm in consulting to companies, I oftentimes get introduced, this is my top producer. And the top producer takes a cell of pride, sits up in the chair and says, yep, I am, and hands out his hand. And almost every time I leave that, this is the top producer introduction, I go and ask and start looking at it almost invariably, Laurie. The person that they think is the top producer, maybe volume-wise, is not the most profitable lender or LO in the group. And I think that's what I love about Lime Gear. But they're rebranding it. I love Nexus Vision. I think that does a great job. But talk a little bit about what's behind that rebranding. So we felt like we had an opportunity to go ahead and rename Lime Gear with a name that was more appropriate for where we're headed. So Nexus Vision sets up a larger view of what we're trying to build. And that really is like a one-stop shop of what you need. And it's not making any decisions, but it's providing the information in front of everyone in your organization so that you can make decisions. And I think Lime Gear was a catchy name. And I still love it, but it aligns with the Simple Nexus brand and it speaks to where we're headed because now we have more resources, more doors are open, like we're going to be blowing the top off this product. One thing I loved about you, Lori, even if you developed something and just released it, you are always obsessing about what you can do to make it better. I've listened to you talk to lenders, and that's one of the things I love about you, and I think that's why it's one of the benefits that Simple Nexus picked up when they got you along with the company, and I'm so glad you're staying involved in the business because you have that obsessive desire to constantly be improving. So what are some of the new features and enhancements we can expect in Nexus Vision. Yes, we're constantly adding things to it and there's so much to add and so much to do and we have a giant roadmap. But right now we're in beta adding general ledger records. So your accounting profit and loss records into the database and into the visualizations and the insights so that we can marry the production with actuals that have your closed book records, if you will along with the very detailed commission and bonus and override records we have from Compensafe. And we also partner with experience.com with social survey scores. We were always headed toward the, we need the actual P&L records, because if you haven't seen Nexus Vision, you really just need to see it because it just pops off the page. So we have a lot of graphical views of your data. And so now we can add in what was the profitability of that branch or that LO or that loan, or let me view in a scatter plot where things fell out or were above if we're looking at pricing or exceptions or things like that. So we're in beta on that now and working toward rolling it out 
to the initial lenders that have signed up. And so that's our first large module release that is coming out of Nexus Vision. Very good. So what sets Nexus Vision apart from other BI solutions on the market? What we see really in the marketplace is there's agnostic BI tools, right? Your Power BI, your Domo, your Tableau, your Click data. And these tools are super powerful and amazing and also a little bit complex and possibly hard to administer and grow and scale because most lenders are in the business of lending and not in the business of writing software. There's a lot of lenders out there that are doing it successfully. I feel like there is definitely a market for lenders that don't want to worry about hiring a software engineer. And I can tell you, it's extremely hard in this market because we have a lack of software engineers and everybody tells their daughters, start coding. We need more girls coding. But at the end of the day, if you want to have something that is more turnkey, then that's Nexus Vision. You do not have to hire someone to administrate the platform. We're going to give the best of the best based on all our clients together in one platform that doesn't require someone as administrator or a developer. The other side of the coin is there are several great BI products in the mortgage industry in our vertical that are specific for mortgage already. Some are built on some of those Domo and Power BI. And those are, again, built for our industry. And I feel like we're still different in that we're trying to be turnkey, no administrator, and something that we've spent a lot of time on authentication and access levels. So we cut our teeth on Compensate. We never share commissions or bonuses or overrides between you know, individuals that shouldn't see each other's info, but yet you can see your team and your branch and your region. So we built on that in Nexus Vision so you can still use all the data and you can set it up on up to 10 levels in your hierarchy so that you can determine who can see which pieces of the platform. And that's really powerful aspect of the platform that sets us apart. A lot of companies are looking at, should we go out and license and use Nexus Vision or should we develop our own? You mentioned Microsoft Power BI. There are those that will want to go try to do it on their own because they convinced they have a special way of looking at their data. To that group, what would you say? Great question, David. And we do get that question a lot. And my answer is, I think you should do both. Because data is so powerful. If you do it right, you should be running your entire business based on, first of all, looking backward and what has happened, what's happening now, but then also moving into, let me project and predict what's coming. But from the perspective of buying a license, like a Power BI license, having a report writer or a software engineer or an analyst that knows the product and can connect into your LOS or HRIS or whatever databases you have. That's powerful because you're probably going to want the control and customization for studies that you want to do. And we know this industry, there's always something happening that you (laughs) need to know the answer to. Nexus Vision is going to supply the rest of the story. I said it earlier, but it really is the 80% quick turn. What's my pipeline? What are my activities? 
let me set up notifications and alerts on concessions or exceptions that are happening. Let me have scorecards. And these things can move you down the field much faster to supply your company, you know, arm them with that information so they can make better decisions on their daily lives. And then have a couple of Power BI licenses to do research and studies. I think they go great together. And we even have a term, dual BI strategy. And I think it works fantastic. That is encouraging. I did not expect that answer. That's good, though. I agree with you. So, Lori, how does Nexus Vision empower employees from the branch level to the C-suite to perform better? And if you could give us an example. Sure. I strongly believe, if it hasn't come out already, that you have to empower your employees and give them the data they need to run their business more effectively. So along with that, there's this idea of standardization across the organization. And those are kind of the invisible parts of a really good data and BI strategy is is setting up the proper foundation of defining what is a closing date and what is a closed loan and defining what an LO is, which sounds so silly, but You get into these things and then people can start debating it. And when it's decided at the corporate level, this is what we will count as a closed loan. This is what is an exception. This is what puts somebody on the watch list. Then once that's decided and it propagates out across the organization, they're still running their own business, but they are following at least the idea of some standardization. So now they can compare And I truly believe that once you start comparing and you enter into this competition almost between Mm -hmm. other branches, regions, LOs, you name it, and if you trust the data for those competitions, then it lifts all boats because now we trust the data, we're competing in a like environment, we have the same language across how we spell out things. I think that's super powerful. But so an example would be in Nexus Vision, we have what we call a weighted score and it allows our clients to select one, two, three, four, 10 KPIs and weight them. So you might weight your customer satisfaction score 40% of this final weighted score and and then volume may only be 20% and pull through maybe another 20% and you get the idea. Now you come up with this weighted score, then you propagate that across the entire organization and it's including things other than just volume and it becomes really, really fascinating to see who now pops up to the top. And it's maybe not your processor that's doing the most units or your underwriter's decisioning the most loans, your LO that's closing the most loan volume. Now you have these tools to kind of compare and contrast across the organization. And it becomes really fun, I think, because a lot of lenders come from a competitive background and we see that play out really well if it's a healthy environment that people trust the data because we all understand the definition of everything. We have a commonality of language. And then now we have these leaderboards and scoreboards that kind of really pick out some star players across the organization. Is there any great examples you could give us on how this has really helped the production people focus on what the C-suite is really wanting to focus on? So we have seen, of course, the data and the weighted scores used for the positives. And then also we have 
scatter plots in our system that allow you to, if you imagine the scatter plot, that's your grid with mm-hmm. dots all over it. And in the lower left quadrant would be the individuals that are going left to right would be volume or units they've produced over time. On the vertical scale would be percentage of attainment of whatever KPI or goal that you're looking at at the time. So I hate to use kind of a a negative context example, but I think it is pretty important in today's day and age because over the last two years, we've just hired and hired and hired and some of that production may be waning, especially if you did a lot of refinances. So people are unfortunately having to look at if I need to make cuts or if I need to refactor what roles my employees are sitting in, they are using Nexus Vision to look at who falls into that bottom left quadrant. And so you're using data and you're able to pick out your lower quadrant people. I think it's important to have that data if, unfortunately, you have to have some sort of reduction in force, not only just for compliance and auditing, but also to be fair across the board in the organization because having the proper records on who you may need to let go is important. And so we have seen lenders using that for that specific case. So what I'm looking for there is, does this create teachable moments or coaching moments when you're working with those in the bottom quadrant, especially when they can see others in other quadrants, does that create those kind of opportunities? Definitely coachable moments. And I believe we're up to 13 scorecards. So cards on, on the basic positions and roles, LO, of course, LOA, processor, closer, underwriter, uh, shipper, post-closer. And then we also have your investor and your broker, And this is exciting because we branch managers are able to use those. And when they're having their one-on-one with individuals in their branch, they're able to bring up that scorecard, have it in front of them. Of course, the employee has that same view of their own scorecard, and it shows where their weighted score is, what their volume units, and then all their KPIs and how they're doing compared to the expectations of those KPIs. And we color code all of that and have all the arrows and things like that. It puts it right there. And I wish I had that. You know, at LBA, we're announced simple nexus. When I do one-on-ones, I wish I had a one single screen on my employee that we can talk through, like, what's happening here? Or you did great there. And we're providing that in Nexus Vision, which is really powerful. That's really exciting. In what ways do you see Nexus Vision having a positive impact on lenders' overall business or their day-to-day operations? You touched on it, but any other ways you see a positive impact? I still see my friends in the industry, unfortunately, coming in, and it's a constant fire drill of phone calls, emails, latest issue. And one of my really good friends likes to say, I can fix most things if I know about them before they happen. And it's a silly statement, but if you have the right kinds of things up on your computer screen that you're looking at, your day can go so much better. I think, unfortunately, in our industry, we're in a reactive mode a lot of the time. And I think that just kind of sets everyone up for a high-stress day. And I don't think it has to be like that. I think... We could do a much better job of organizing things and setting up accurate 
expectations with everyone that plays a role in the manufacturing of the loan and, of course, with your borrower and your partners. And just getting in front of that and being able to make a change or call the borrower with something that needs to be said if you can do it early. And yeah. that's what we're working on is it's just getting that out in front of people so they can make better decisions, have better conversations, set better expectations, and hopefully we'll have a little bit of a, a less reactive day and a more proactive day. Yeah, that's so good. You're a part of the MBA Empower Group. You are a big fan of it. I've been there at most of these meetings. I loved what you said earlier. Let's get as many female coders into this. What would you say to inspire those that would come in after you and be the next Lori Brewer in the industry? I'm not sure what it is on why girls sometimes are a little afraid to sign up for their high school computer science class. But I see it in our high school. And what I would say is coding is so much fun. If you like puzzles or figuring things out, having this challenge and then being able to produce something that then completes that challenge or completes that puzzle, it's a very satisfying career. Plus, of course, there's just going to be a demand for it, I think, ongoing. Okay. And there's just so many different facets of it. I think maybe just the term computer science turns some people off and females in particular, but there's so much to it. I mean, there's UI design, there's graphic design, there's animation. There's just so much to it that I could go on and on on, on why it's a good idea to at least take a class and investigate it. Yeah, I strongly encourage it. It's so true. You've been an inspiration to many already, and I know you will be. You're still young, so you'll be an inspiration for years to come. So glad for you on the sale of your company to Simple Nexus and the partnership with Kathleen Schreiner-Gates. The two of you, oh my gosh, I am so excited. It's all about leadership, and Kathleen has just a great track record and the two of you teaming together, I can only imagine what Simple Nexus has to bless us all with in the future. So thank you so much, Lori, for being here. Thank you. David, thank you for having me. It's always fun to catch up with you. So thank you. Thank you very much. I wish you continued success, Lori. For this next podcast coming up next week, we talked about what's going on with interest rates and how a lot of people are looking at where interest rates are going. So we reached out to Les Parker and he's going to join us live next week and answer a lot of questions. So especially the one question I've got is he made a prediction earlier that Alice wrote down, we all wrote down because it was pretty astounding, was he said it is very possible. He didn't say it will, but it's very possible that we could see the 10-year Treasury back under 1% for a period of time. What's he talking about with that? We're going to ask him that question and many other questions next week on the Look It On Lending hot topic segment. So stay tuned. We'll be back with that one next week. So, but intro week, if you go in and see more on our website, you'll see all the new podcasts we're releasing intro week during that. So we've expanded beyond just the flagship podcast here we have on Mondays to uh, cover more and more topics that are out there that need to get covered. And so that's a lot as a result of your requests, listeners. So appreciate it. Again, thank you to our sponsors, Finastra, Lenders One, Mobility, MMI, Modex, the MBA, Knowledge Coop, the Mortgage Collaborative, SnapDoc, Success Kit, Lender Toolkit, Penny Mac, as well as Total Expert. Thank you so much, everybody. Have a great week. I look forward to having you back here next week. <laughs> 
You've been listening to Licken on Lending, a weekly mortgage market update with your host, David Licken of Transformational Mortgage Solutions. Join us next week, and thanks for listening.